When chaos begins to emerge in our world, where can we go to remind ourselves of hopeful humans that are helping to create a more compassionate world? Each month in the Restorative Pulse podcast, tune in as we feature thought leaders creating innovation, innovative change in our world and in our systems, from the macro level to the micro level, in our schools, healing spaces, and beyond. I'm Julie Johnson, founder of Integrate Network, and this is the Restorative Pulse podcast. All right. Hey, everyone. It's Julie Johnson. Um, I am the founder, co-founder, really, of Integrate Network, and but founder of this podcast, <laughs> birth from... Do, uh, birth from uh, founding Integrate, doing that for the last five years, almost six years, actually almost seven years, really. And um, we, I say I have one of my good friends, Aaron Plumman, who I've known in St. Louis for, for years, <laughs> many years. <laughs> and we've gone through many seasons of life together. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with Aaron that's a little bit different than how other podcasts on here have gone and she and I are going to talk a little bit more specifically, but with the mirror on her <laughs> that I will join in <laughs> on the trauma healing process through the creative arts, let's say, um, you know, we have a lot of people that kind of work, do human centered work, but I think that one thing that Aaron brings to the table that I bring in in a lot of ways with my own commentary and opinions on things, but we're going to go into a little deeper is the trauma healing process, which isn't from like a um, survivor centered conversation, which I haven't heard on a lot of podcasts before. So um, I wanted to host that here because um, I think it's a really important conversation to have. Um, in a way that it is trauma-informed, obviously, where we talk through the essences of trauma healing um, and how we find, you know, tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, acknowledging when we have a history of trauma because so much, so much, so many times trauma is so, um, what's the word looking for, so normalized that we don't even know that we even had it. <laughs> Now, which I know is the case for Aaron mm. and I. So it's like almost so normal that it's like the air you breathe is toxic. And then you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. this whole like process you go through that a lot of us have gone through that have gone through the um, complex trauma healing process that never ends, truly. And, um, yeah. know, and, and how <laughs> do you know when you have, when you found a therapist that's going to get you through a lot of those muddy waters? you know, and help kind of create that clarity. And I do mean that process, and that process is really important. And then also for Aaron, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the, the aspects of um, music and how music has really helped her specifically around the ukulele. Um, she plays the ukulele and sings and does a lot of cool things, but um, yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But first, Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself and, you know, sure. um, being the cool person you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Um, yes, my name is Erin Fleming. Um, I homeschool my kids. I've got three kids um, and live here in St. Louis with my husband, Jeremy. Um, I, yeah, I, I've been playing music for, I guess, about six or seven years now. Um, 
just as uh, just to just to learn it. I've always wanted to learn. Um, and then I was really surprised to find that like a lot of stuff was coming out and I was able to express myself through it. And um, so, yeah, I play music. Um, I enjoy nature um, and art and poetry. And I use all those things in my healing journey. So, cool. yeah. So let's talk a little, let's take it back a couple of steps, not back, but like take it down, start with the, <laughs> the, the, the nitty gritty. So let's talk a little bit about acknowledging the problem. And I remember you and I have had, you know, I think of you and all the conversations we've had over the years, I think you and I have been around each other a lot through those acknowledging moments where we were like, yeah. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was acknowledging that at that moment. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit because I think you and I are both going through it at different times, but I think we are around each other at our different levels of enlightenment, let's say. Yes. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about that process from like, like the collective. So like, how do we like from our own experiences and stories, right? Like, how do we acknowledge from, you know, the standpoint that you and I are in our own experiences, how did you acknowledge that the things you went through were actually, like, were actually, like, childhood trauma, you know? Mm. And the things, and even, you know, maybe they were in childhood, maybe they, they were after, usually, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a domino effect. <laughs> so, um, right. Like, how, how did we acknowledge that? So, yeah, so go, go, go on a little bit more about that for you. Hmm. So you're asking how have I not, how, when did I, what, what first made me acknowledge that I had childhood yeah, trauma? Like, what, or, like yeah. where do we put those two together? How did we put yeah. those two together? You know what I'm saying? We were like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know what I mean? That paradigm yes. shift of moving from like, yeah. oh, there's there's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with the environment that I was in. That's what yes. was wrong. I so think take- for me personally, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think for me personally, um, just getting out of that bubble that I was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just showing up as the person I was in my family to the rest of the world and then having them say wait a minute that was that happened <laughs> that's not normal and I'm like okay uh yeah <laughs> now that you say that it didn't really feel normal but I didn't really know why and then just like getting to know people and sharing sharing more stories and then it kind of makes you think well what else is not normal um yeah I mean and as far as um, parenting goes, when I became a parent, there's just so many things that come up that you're, you automatically will think of your own childhood and your own parents and how they handled the situation that was similar. And then you start noticing how, um, yeah, I would, I personally would never do make this choice, um, you know, in my parenting. And so I think, situations like that made me realize like yeah this this home environment was not actually healthy and this is not what everyone does um you know not every parent handles things this way uh it it really just took talking about it to people at first for me Mm -hmm. 
And that was long before I even ever saw a therapist was just sharing, just opening up to people and sharing. And that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, I think you bring up a really good point of the mirroring process of like, Mm -hmm. when you start to like, tell stories about things. Like I remember for me, it was, you know, with my husband, you know, we were, you know, kind of started talking about aspects of my own childhood. And I would be like, you know, not that his was like totally like normal at all, but like there were definitely differences, you know, there were definitely obvious differences in in upbringing and perspective, you know? And so, you know, so I would start talking about that stuff and he'd be like, wait, what? You know, and I was like, wait, this is like when I was like 21. And I was like, but that didn't happen to you? you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> when you start, like, you're like, what's wrong with you? you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you start to like look around and you're like, wait, what's what's going on? You know, and then like 21 is such like a delicate age, you know, in general, you know. And I mean, I'm, I feel, you know, blessed that I had really great people around me to kind of help mirror back really healthy, you know, we call it mirror neurons, you know? Yeah. They were able to like mirror back really good, healthy attachment to me because I didn't have that. I need, I was seeking it desperately, but I didn't have it. And so I think for me, it was like from age 22 to like 29, where I was like always like from this constant state of what's WTF, right? Like, and, um, and, you know, I don't think it was until I had my second kid, Asher, where I was like, okay, like something, okay, maybe, maybe there's another way of doing this, you know? And that was after a lot of trauma from like birth, you know, you know, going through all the stuff we went through with Shyla you know, and stuff like that. Um, and the birth, the birth trauma I had with her, it was like, they were, they kept stacking. I think for me, they kept happening, like not yeah. even just that, but then the adult stuff happening. And it was like the mm-hmm. chaos. And I remember from age about from the time I had Ash Shyla at age 26 to like 30, it just felt like it was just getting bigger. Everything was getting bigger. Yeah. And I feel like the final acknowledgement where it's crystal clear was after I had definitely after I had Shyla to when I had Asher, like those birthing years of my own kids, I was like, something is really not okay. And it's more than just yeah. my, me having a child, you know? And so for me, I think it was definitely that parenting that definitely going in between that, like definitely coming into that 21 year old to having a child um, years mm-hmm. where I started to really, that acknowledgement was like, became very like the, 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 the waters became less muddier and less muddier the closer I got to 30, you know, and the yeah. more children I had. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that makes it fun. <laughs> that, makes it, that makes it really fun. Yeah. So that's like, that's what the acknowledgement was like for me, you know, and I, and I, you know, and I was seeing like a, you know, I was seeing like a, like a cognitive behavior therapist, you know, at the time and she was doing really good okay. and she was helping me like with like, you know, postpartum depression kind of stuff. But then there was something else, you know, they just kept coming back to these other things that like, I didn't have language for. And I thought something was wrong with me. And she was a great therapist. She was awesome. But like, I, you know what I mean? I kept being like something, Mm. you know, but like there was more to the story besides just, 
and I couldn't quite didn't quite have language around it I don't know what was it like for you um I think I've I've seen a couple therapists um but it, it wasn't consistent enough to like I, w- I would go a couple times and I think this is kind of uncomfortable for me and or like financially it just like wasn't feasible but but recently I would say um yeah my my previous therapist um I think she helped me for where I was (laughs) for what I was ready for at least I think um the baby steps of like I think she was pretty good at um she was very Mm -hmm. compassionate and she was older and I think that that's what I needed at the time Mm -hmm. is um someone who actually kind of reminded me of all the women I used to see at church Mm -hmm. growing up and um and I think it made me show up differently Uh, ultimately Mm -hmm. it made me show up very differently because it it got to a certain point where I didn't feel like I could show her all of the stuff that I needed to talk about just Mm -hmm. because I get past how how much she was like all the the women from the church that I grew up with you know Mm -hmm. and so I I I noticed that I was like kind of like uh, not showing up authentically with her and uh, so with that ending that that just kind of needed to end but I I do think she helped me with some things but um, the most growth that I've had is my current therapist, how she has just helped me um, I don't know I, I I feel like I am able to show up exactly how I am without a single um, I don't I'm just showing up completely authentically for the first time with a therapist mm-hmm. seeing the most progress that I've ever had because of that. Right. Do you, what do you think it is? Do you think it's just the demeanor? I know, I, I know who your therapist is. So I was yeah, like, yes, yeah. So I'm, I think I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But. Yeah. Same. Um, I think for me personally, and maybe this isn't what everyone needs. Um, but I think because she's closer, she's closer to my own age. She understands all the stuff that's really important to me is like I want to be able to share a reference from 1997 and have someone understand it but like from from the viewpoint of like a teenager you know right right um and so I need someone to know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is and like why I would have a crush on him and like you know yeah so and honestly I think having her be something about her and the way she has invited me to show up as myself um it really tapped into my inner child specifically I think my early teenage child um Mm -hmm. yeah that really where a lot of trauma happened around that age and and she somehow brought some comfort um the way that I was able to show up the way I was able to laugh reminded me a lot of 
you know, slumber parties, whenever you're a young girl, you're growing up and you're having your slumber parties and you stay up late talking and you're laughing and you're just really yourself in those moments. And I think for me, that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I needed because I'm a mom now and I've got three kids and I'm taking care of them. And, and then I'm, you know, with my husband and I, I'm not, you know, often I'm not like making myself go back into that, the headspace of, um, little Aaron, little teenage Aaron. And, but that's exactly what I needed to do Mm -hmm. is tap into her, like give her, give her the microphone for a while and like ask her, like, you know, how's it going? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. That makes, that makes so much sense. And I think, you know, and I think what you're saying about like the therapist, I think you're bringing up a really good idea, a really good reference point. I mean, from your own story. Um, but that's, you know, I think a big thing when people are like, okay, how do I know I have the right therapist? Right. Like we get, I, yes. I get that question a lot. It's my time on integrate circa oops, almost, yeah, six or seven years, which it feels like 12 decades, uh, which is much healing as, we've got, as, I, as I've gone through throughout that process. Yeah. Um, would integrate. But one thing I get questions asked a lot is how do I know I found the right therapist? And I was like, well, I can't answer you that question. Well, what I can say is that I think something you just mirrored was, is, you know, you have the right therapist when you can, you know, um, you don't have to worry about your truth telling, um, severing the relationship or creating an ultimatum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's what I'm hearing from you when you talk, when I hear you talk about your, um, relationship with your therapist you've had through the years, you know, is that the, cause you know, in in trauma therapy, you know, the concept is, is that, um, they're teaching you how to like when, when, when attachment, when they're, when you have someone who's attachment, attachment based trauma therapist. Okay. Is there that idea? I have a lot of friends that are trauma therapists. So I was like, I feel like I've been safely coached by this. <laughs> um, I've been safely told what to say yeah. as some, and I've been through it as well. I've been through it intimately <laughs> as well. And I still have a therapist that comes from that, but they are mirroring to you. The whole process is mirroring what a healthy relationship can look like in a clinical setting. Right. And, um, yeah. that's, and that's, that's how, you know, right. Cause if you start telling the truth and you have, let's say a therapist that's like, you know, has an agenda around gay homosexuality and you know what I mean? And you start talking about maybe that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like red flag, <laughs> you know, like red flag. If they start talking about, yes. you know, um, you know, having an intervention or like praying out, you know, whatever it is, you know whatever. I don't know. I don't, I, yes. I never saw a Christian therapist, but like, I, I know a lot of former Christian therapists who, <laughs> you know, hi, Jen Vilpitto, <laughs> one of my good friends. You know, who, <laughs> I know from, I know from my friendship with Jen, but that's what that's like. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. We have a very public relationship about these things. So I was like, I can say that on a podcast, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and actually she, I'm going to interview her a little bit on that process later on down the road. I cannot wait to interview her on that. But, um, um, but, you know, I think that the big difference is, is, you know, if you can tell is if you can, you know, tell all of your, whatever the truth is, whatever it is, it comes up to yeah. you, you know, and, and there's no, on the therapist end, there's no, um, there's very little hindrance of, um, 
needing to like correct course correct you know yes. needing to sever yes. the relationship you know because yeah. and, and that's in a healthy situation now I know clinical therapists have their own things they have to look for you know to see if it's good for them on their end if it's a good client um professional good professional match but generally speaking what they're doing on a very general level from what I have been told by Jen and Victoria and uh, all the other therapists in my life that are my friends <laughs> you know is that they're mirroring that they're trying to teach you how to have that healthy relationship and re and mirror um, secure, a secure relationship. Right. And they also teach you how to, um, at least it was with some, one of my therapists is teaching you that when you're there, you know, that there's a safe place for you to learn repair, you know, cause we don't get that in the world very often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that if you do have a, like, if you do self-advocate for your needs, then you will, um, then, you know, then you also have a space to, you know, if, if you have the right match, you know, that you can also learn repair, you know, as well with them, you know, if there is a breach or there is some kind of um, misunderstanding or confusion or whatever, there's an, a a disruption in the real, in the the flow of the relationship, right. Right. Is you can learn repair because usually when you've had attachment trauma, that concept of repair is foreign usually speaking yes. maybe it's not for everyone but I, I can think I can speak pretty universally that for those of us that have had a lot of attachment trauma that the concept of repair is a learned adult skill in therapy <laughs> you know yeah. and so I think I can say that pretty safely <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of our experiences maybe not all of ours but a good chunk of ours so mm. I think that's kind of a roundabout way of um sensing that you know, um, you know, is, is, and I know that, that I know some people have end up having, you know, ruptures with their therapists and that's it. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the hope is, is that if you do have a rupture and it's someone that you um, have that rapport with is that you can learn to, the two of you can work together to come up with a repair, a repair yeah. situation that you can mirror back into the world in, in your other relationships as well that are healthy and secure as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that actually happened my last, with my last therapist, um, there was a situation where I was really caught off guard and it was just very, very triggering for me. And I was like, I'm out of here. I can't do this. But then I, I, I called her actually to say, I don't, I can't come back or whatever. She came back and basically like encouraged me to have the hard conversation with her. And I just really didn't want to, but I wanted to give my a chance myself a chance to learn how to, um, I, I don't know. I saw it as an opportunity and I was really glad that I, I came back and we were able to talk about it. And, uh, she was able to help me pinpoint the specific things. Like at what point was I okay? And then what, at, at what point, did I go from being okay to feeling triggered? Um, you know, what was said, what was implied or whatever. And it just helped me understand myself a little bit better. And, um, she helped me work through the anger. Mm -hmm. I don't, I wasn't modeled that growing up. Like if you, you you know, if you're having a conversation with your parents and they say something, you might feel very angry inside, but 
if you're taught that your value comes from being a good girl who doesn't get angry or talk back, then you stuff it down and you just never learn how to handle your anger. But uh, yeah, she, she encouraged me that it was okay to be angry. And I had never had anybody tell me that before. Um, so that was, that was a good um, lesson to learn. I, I, that's a good takeaway from that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I remember you, I remember watching you go through that and I remember I was kind of applauding. I was like, good job. Like that was like, I'm really glad that you had that experience, even though I know that that was kind of the end of your relationship with, with that therapist, you know, like your time together, at least, you know, in that clinical relationship. Like yeah. I, I do, I remember you going, I'm like, I'm so, I remember thinking, I'm like, I'm so glad that she had that last experience with her just because you needed that experience, you know? Yes. Um, just being one of your close friends. I was like, I, I was really glad that you at least had that. So you knew how that felt because where else are you going to get that when you have like a history of people that, you know, were wounded themselves and there was no way that, you know, our parents could right. offer us that there was, they didn't have that because they weren't, you know, they weren't, you know, not, and it's no fault of, you know, their own, but like they didn't, they couldn't give us that aspect of yeah, what we needed because the they had never had it they didn't have the capacity right. to you know it's a whole whole generational thing yeah. we could talk about that for days but like right I know but, <laughs> that's, like, that's like what me and Aaron and I talk about like the most we're like like how did this how did we end up here <laughs> like, what, <laughs> like, what, like like how intergenerational trauma y'all is just really 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 strong so <laughs> it's the force yes. is strong so just you know always keep you know always keep your your healing your healing routine near you is what I always is what I always say you know so no, never stop believing in that so Aaron but let's talk a little bit more about music and how right. music has played a role in like this whole process this whole concept of the healing through attachment trauma and because I've watched you kind of go through that whole process I used to go to your open mics at Mm-hmm. um what's the place called um oh, stone spiral stone spiral yeah in maplewood yeah. um and um yeah and so let's talk a little bit more about like the ukulele and like what it's got done for you on the healing process and in helping you find that vo- you know your voice and which is a big part of you know the trauma healing process is in coming in touch with your voice and you know, hearing your voice and being empowered in your voice and making choices that serve you. So let's talk a little bit more about that because you talked about the beginning. So I just wanted to circle back to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think what music, music has done several, it, there's several things I could say about, about what music has done in my life, but to use the ukulele with my healing, um, I, I used to sing when I was little. I used to sing growing up. I would sing in my church in the church choir. And specifically, I would sing with my dad. Um, and um, so I had childhood uh, childhood um, sexual abuse within my family. And um, so that's that's my history where my trauma comes from. It's, it's a lot of uh, narcissistic abuse as well, I would say. Um, just all the fun stuff. But uh, so with music, that was a very important part of my life growing up. And, um, it was part of my spirituality. Um, and, and then growing up, I stopped, I, I, 
I never played instruments growing up, but I sang all the time. And I never would have considered myself to be a musician. So that I think that I always felt like really disconnected, like the musicians are over there in their musician circle. And I'm just over here dabbling. I'm, I'm a dabbler. I will just sing, but that doesn't make me a musician. And I think when I picked up the ukulele and I started playing, I'm like, maybe I have something to offer. Like maybe like, maybe I am a musician and maybe I've always been a musician. And so in that sense, uh, um, an awakening has come, you know, for me, something has been awakened in me and it's this, this person that I actually have always been, but I just, I, there's this whole piece that was, um, I would always sing, but I, and I would listen to other people play, but, um, felt so I felt empowered by learning how to play because it like completing this missing puzzle piece that this it was the missing puzzle piece and then from there playing other people's music has been so healing because almost and anything that anyone can ever go through someone has written a song about it and you can pick up that you can pick up your ukulele and you can play their song and you can sing their lyrics and sometimes you'll find the, the, the song that expresses exactly, exactly how you feel about whatever it is. And it's so healing. You, you sing the words and you just, you start feeling better. So, um, and then for me, singing, singing again is like reclaimed something and, and made a new association with music in my life. It's my, the music is no longer associated with I used to sing with my dad. It's not associated with uh, choir. I'm only singing about God. Um, I don't have to associate that part of me with mm -hmm. some of those painful memories. It's not attached. Mm -hmm. It's something I'm doing on my own, on my own terms. And I've mm -hmm. reclaimed it. And not only have I reclaimed it, it's way better than what I was doing before. <laughs> Even musically speaking, like it's better than what I'm doing. Um, and then learning how to writing my own songs about my specific situation has been so incredibly healing because nobody even has to hear it. I can just sit alone and I can, I can play melodies and I'll strike a chord and I'm like, Ooh, that feels really good. That really makes me think of this. And I'll, I'll think of a memory that is painful. And as I'm playing it, it really, I, I feel like I'm playing it to that part of myself. Um, it's just helped me connect to myself and connect mm -hmm. to, um, if I feel like playing a sad song or, um, a song where I feel like it's super empowering and I'm kicking ass or whatever. Um, I like how it has put the power in my hands to change, to, to express my emotions so beautifully and so personally, um, so that is what music has done for me, I guess. In awesome. No, I think that's great. So of course, you know, I think I told her an hour, like an hour and a half ago, I was like, why don't you just go ahead and play something while we're on here? So, um, so yeah, so Erin, why don't you go ahead and, um, why don't you play something? Is this one of your own songs or is this a cover? No, this is a cover. This is okay. A cover. What's the cover of his? Is it one of your favorites? You have a lot of, this is, 
Yeah, it's one of my favorites. The Secret Sisters, they're one of my favorites. Yeah. This song is Tomorrow Will Be Kinder. Okay, awesome. Let's go for it. your videos of you of, of you doing the ukulele i always love, always love that can't wait till we can go back and well, open my thank you in 20 in 2022 i was like who knows so who knows we'll just do zoom probably and instagram for now uh, which is fine it is what it is so 
that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, coming in and, um, you know, talking a little bit more about these more nuanced conversations around, you know, um, you know, kind of going through the process. I think that the nuanced conversations are really important. Um, I think that there's something, and I, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I went ahead and put the mojo behind creating a podcast um, Yeah, was, you know, um, those nuanced conversations that I have with a lot of, with a lot of my friends, actually, you know, behind closed doors, you know, obviously, but um, obviously told in a more protected way, but like about the process of like going through the process, you know, of EMDR, going through or semantic experience. What is it like to go through the process, no matter what the modality is? You know, there's like a whole narrative behind it that I think is not often discussed, you know, and that's one thing I've always appreciated about my conversations with Aaron is um, nearing that. Because I think when I was going through a good chunk of my really deep stuff, there was no one I could explain this stuff to. I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm burning a hole in my chest mm -hmm. with like all the pain that I'm like processing right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who to talk to this about. You know what I mean? And I think that, and I, yeah. and I, I remember like reading Glennon Doyle, like, like it was like, like my hands were on fire, you know, <laughs> like when she was <laughs> like, Cause like, and I, and I remember thinking about that, you know, and I think that's kind of where integrate came from was just kind of dealing with kind of my own pit of like a little bit of isolation as I was going through this healing process. And I think like, and I used to read like Brene Brown and I used to read, you know, all these people again, like, like my hands were on fire. Like if I didn't read their words fast enough, I might like, you know, lose some part right. of myself. <laughs> You know, and I, I look yeah. back at that now, you know, a decade down the road, you know, from that feeling. And, you know, I think a lot of it was just, I, I mean, that's a mirror of the level of, I think, isolation I felt. And so I think about that a lot with mm. this podcast and, you know, and kind of those nuanced conversations or, you know, as we talk about, you know, collective trauma healing, which is really, cons which is really popular now in COVID time because the world is burning and I'm okay with some of those things burning. Um, but, you know, um, I think I am, I'm okay. To, burning is a cleansing thing. There's something we yes. can burn to the ground, you know? I love um, <laughs> And so, yes. And so, you know, but um, I think about that on like an interpersonal level. And I think that the conversation, I think that's why Glennon Doyle is so popular is she brought so much to the light, you know, even, I mean, it was only like a decade ago, you know, really, I yeah. started reading her and, um, and it shows you how much like, you know, she kind of was like, oh, we talk about addiction. Oh, we talk about trauma, you know? And I remember, like I guess I'd reading her, like my hands were on fire, you know, um, and my eyes were going to burn, you know, if I didn't read like another, like, like some word that like reflected my inner yeah. state. Um, and I, and all that to say is, is I just think that sometimes these conversations about what, 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 what's going on for us interpersonally as we go through the process, not necessarily the story of what happened to us, but there's like a whole other narrative that goes on when you go through, when you go down like this healing, this like healing path, especially from, from attachment trauma, you know, that I don't think is often discussed, but I do see little threads of like commonalities um and yes. parallels and situations like your friend group changes right 
Um, yes. Yeah, the people you are with change, you know, you're, you're, you know, and like, it's really confusing. And like, um, there's only so much your therapist can do for you, you know, <laughs> like at that yeah. point in time, yeah. you know, and I just remember watching myself kind of go through that phase with all the different people in my life. And I remember I was like, there's no manual for this. And like, yeah. I, um, and it was really painful and like, in some ways it yeah, kind of mirrored my, sure. my own relationship with my family on a, you know, in my own relationship, my own childhood. But I just remember, I was like, man, if there's ever a time I could talk through this, I'm going to do it. So I was like, so we're going to do it. I remember Victoria and I talked about that a lot too. When Victoria was creating more content here, you know, um, you know, they were talking a lot more about, um, you know, just that process of, um, you know, the nuanced conversation about the things that, that often happen when you're going, when you're healing childhood trauma in the yeah. adult, in your adult life. And there's like, like I said, every path is different, but there are some common threads that happen yeah, to a lot sure. of us. Like your friends changing your, you know, the state of the status of your marriage changes, you yeah. know, um, you know, sometimes there's divorce or sometimes there's just a lot of, there's like a weird change in the dynamic you know, so things like that. So I was really, I always really like to just acknowledge that those things happen and create space for some of that nuance within a safe container. So anyway, right. so thank you for always bringing that up and doing that. So absolutely. It, Same to you. Any, anyway, well, thank you so much for coming on and playing, playing this and kind of starting that, <laughs> having those little more nuanced conversations around the process of, of this stuff and just being like, yeah, a normal human, just wanting to like, you know, create a better, better life for ourselves and for our kids and, and, and the yeah, whole world at that, that, that thanks anything else you want to share before well, we turn the recording off uh no just thanks for having me and for um valuing my story and enough to have me on to share and um I hope that something that I said will resonate with someone and that they might give music a shot so yeah, that's what yeah. I would say. I hope it brings awesome. healing to everyone else too. Awesome. Yep. It's mere neurons. As I said, like Glennon Doyle's book, man, like one of her books, I think it was Love Warrior. I was like, it wasn't even about things I could really relate to, but I was like, but just the like the like just the way she wrote, I was like, thank you in her blog, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. like she probably didn't know. And <laughs> I was like sitting there, like eating it up, you know, and and some of Brene Brown's work and some of their others too. So anyway, Absolutely. well, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. I'm gonna stop the recording and we'll be done. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks, Julie. Okay.